and welcome to this episode of HBCU. I'm your host, D. Brown, CEO, and joining me on the panel today is my special guest, Socrates Garrett from Jackson, Mississippi. Socrates is a graduate of Alcorn State University. Welcome to the program, Socrates. Thank you. Look, I'm happy to have you on. You have uh, so many credentials and uh, titles that I I don't know where to start, so we're going to try to give our uh, viewers a glimpse inside of your your world and your success uh, as we kind of go through the program. Uh, but I want to start by uh, talking about your, your time at Alcorn State University. Uh, how did you first become exposed to Alcorn, and how did you ultimately select Alcorn uh, as your college of choice? Well, in, I went to high school at Piney Woods Country Life School down with uh, Lawrence Jones, the founder down there, and he recommended Alcorn State University for me after I finished one year at Piney Wood. So it was highly recommended by a person that I admire and uh, was glad to be associated with. So uh, take me back uh, to your your first year uh, at Alcorn. Uh, what was it like on the academic resort? Well, it was just absolutely fabulous. Uh, you know, I had come from a boarding school, so I was kind of acclimated to dorms and things of that nature. So. It, uh, the transition was really smooth for me. But I had an interesting uh, interest. I didn't know exactly, as most young people don't, what I wanted to major in, what did I want to do in life. And so when I went into the gym for registration on that first day, uh, I didn't know, so I got in the shortest line that was there. <laughs> and I, when I got in the shortest line that was there, and so when I went to my first class, I I looked in it and it was all girls in the class because I had registered for business education. (laughs) And I looked at that situation, D, and I started to back out of the room because I knew I had made a mistake. And then I thought about it and I looked at it again. I said, no, this may not be all that (laughs) So I I stayed there and and, uh, joined the uh, business education curriculum and uh, graduated in that degree. So uh, during your time uh, at Alcorn, were there any uh, professors or staff members that uh, mentored you or were uh, instrumental in your your path, uh, career path? Yeah, I mean, Alcorn is a family-oriented institution. We didn't have a lot of distractions. I mean, we had to know one another. There were no stores to go to. There were no shopping malls around. I mean, we were really on our own resort area. Now, we <laughs> called it the reservation when I was there, but now it's referred to more as the academic resort. Right, right. <laughs> but there was nothing to do. And yeah. so we had to find uh, ways to entertain ourselves. We became closer as a family. We spent more time with instructors. And so I had a lot of mentors. You know, I, I pledged Kappa FSI. I was the smallest individual that had ever done that because most of them, 90% were athletes. And so I spent a lot of time uh, with the coaches and with the president, uh, Dr. Boyd at that time. So I knew everybody on campus. Yeah. And so how did uh, Alcorn prepare you for your, uh, your business career? Well, interestingly enough, that, that major of mine served me well because I learned a lot about business law. I also learned how to set up a business. I learned the accounting side. I learned how to take shorthand. 
I learned how to file. I learned a lot that I was able to use when I started my own business because it's more general than, say, if business administration is more focused on an accounting area. I got a broad array of uh, skills out of that curriculum. And so it, it prepared me uh, for the world of business in a way that it has served me very well. Do you recall uh, any uh, special events that took place at Alcorn that, that stood out to you, whether it was homecoming or any type of events that had special significance? It was so many. It, it, it was so many. It was an absolute joy. It was the best time of my life. I met so many wonderful people, so many good friends that are lifelong friends. And so uh, it's difficult to single out an event. But I will go to sports. I was there with the legendary Jack Spinks, who was the first black to play in the NFL from an HBCU. And I spent a lot of time with, with the coaches there. And so every year we made a trip up to Kansas City, Missouri, because we were the SWAG champions and we played in the NAIA division. And so we would spend, we, three or four of us would get in the cars that would hardly make it to Kansas City <laughs> and drive up there and spend two or three days. As long as the team kept winning, we, we would normally run out of money in Kansas City. We were staying downtown at the Kansas Cityum, but the money would run out. They'd keep winning, and then we have to move down to a lower-level hotel. So <laughs> I think that was a, uh, an experience. And, of course, the turbulent times in 1967, 68, the uh, Mississippi Highway Patrol was on the campus at Alcorn uh, State University. And this was doing, uh, as again, it was the turbulent times. And so that was an experience that I'll never forget as well, because we were all running out of the dorms. Highway Patrol was standing there with batons and we were, you know, afraid and things of that nature. So uh, great experiences. Yeah. So talk to me about your uh, journey through your career. When you uh, completed your education at Alcorn, uh, what was your next uh, move towards uh, starting your career? Well, it's it's interesting story. I graduated in 1968. So when I when I graduated from Alcorn, I went to Los Angeles, California, because my older sister was out there. And again, you know, I knew that I did not want to teach because I had done some practice teaching, uh, which was required in my curriculum. And I was a small in stature person, and the girls in the class were larger than, than I was in, in many cases. And I said, this is, this is not working for me. So I knew that I did not want to teach. And so I went to California, and I went to work for a black-owned firm over in uh, uh, Crenshaw area in California. And so uh, my experience then had been that coming through an all-black institution, being nurtured down at Piney Woods, had black mentors with uh, Dr. Boyd and all of the coaches down there. So I go to California and I migrate to a black-owned firm. And I started there with them and, and worked with them for six or eight months. And then I got drafted. I got drafted after college. And here comes Uncle Sam knocking on my door in the height of the Vietnam War, saying that we want you to join us. Yeah. And so that was, that was a difficult time. What was that experience like, uh, Vietnam? 
Well, I didn't go. Interesting enough, the, I, I went into the Army. I was drafted uh-huh. and went into the Army. And when I finished basic training, they didn't have orders for me. So the commanding officer there said, we don't have orders for you, so we're going to send you to advanced infantry training. Now, I knew I didn't want to go to advanced infantry training because everybody that went there was shipping out to Vietnam on graduation. And so, but they put me there anyway. And when I did graduate from advanced infantry training, they still didn't have orders. So eventually orders came and they sent me to uh, Fort Lewis, Washington with a fine ass MOS. And I spent my two years in um, Tacoma, Washington at Fort Lewis uh, with the army. So I didn't go to Vietnam and I was so, so blessed. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. So yeah. where did you get the desire to become an entrepreneur? Where, where did that come from? Well, it was in my DNA. My grandfather, my father were all entrepreneurs. My daddy never had a job where he worked for a public institution, anything like that. Now, yeah. he was a civil rights advocate and fighter, but my mother was a school teacher, so she had a job. Uh-huh. And so uh, I had an opportunity to, to grow up in that environment. So I knew that I wanted to be my own business person at early age. I absolutely would would play as a kid, would play in the mud. Would I build my trucking empire in the mud as a kid? <laughs> yeah. Now, it's just in the country in Mississippi, so we didn't have toys. You know, Christmas we got apples and oranges and maybe a banana. Yeah. So we didn't. Well, you had to make your own toys. <laughs> And, and so I would I would take some sardine cans and crimp the top up for my engine and put a little string through the back and tie me four or five cars back behind it and I'd have a trucking company as a five year old boy. Wow! And, and so I had that. It was in my DNA uh, to be an entrepreneur from from day one. So when I went got out of the army, I came back, spent a little time. Uh, with as a cost accountant for Pacific Gas, and then after that, I came home and began my business career. So not, uh, not, not direct. I came home and started with Xerox Corporation and and got some additional training uh-huh. up in East Leesburg, Virginia, and other places, and moved swiftly up through those ranks. I became branch sales manager for Xerox Corporation in 1970. Three nineteen eighty, I started my own business. So, what was the first company that you, you you founded? You know, I always do things the hard way. So, I founded the K and S Chemical Manufacturing Company. Now, it's hard enough to be a distributor, but I wanted to be the manufacturer, the, the distributor, and and, and all. Yeah. And so, I started that. I met with a uh, black guy, Mr. Kelly, up in Ohio. Uh, and uh, he was making a product that he called uh, a biodegradable uh, dishwashing detergent. So I went up there, and he sold me a franchise, if you will. Uh, He really didn't have anything to sell, but I didn't know. Uh, (laughs) And so I I bought into that business, and I came back, and I started manufacturing industrial, industrial chemicals. That's my very first business. And so where did the vision come from uh, for Socrates Garrett Enterprises? Well, the, the first business did not succeed. And so the name of that business was K&S Chemicals. And I learned a lot in those first seven years. And uh, well, I borrowed some money 
from a Mesbic called, uh, it was a Mesbic, an international, international paper company out of New York, mm-hmm. loaned me my first $300,000 to start in, in my business. Because I had a great business plan, because I was educated and I knew how to write it, and I had everything right, and, and so, but I didn't have capital. And so I found this Mesbic up in New York with International Paper Company. They came down to Jackson and met with me, and they taught me the golden rule. And I, I said, I said, well, first he said that we were going to loan you this money, but all of your equity in your business and some property is going to have to be collateral for the loan for two hundred and fifty thousand. And I said, no, I'm not giving you any equity, and I'm I'm not pledging my my land on this loan. And they said, well, we need to make you understand the golden rule. And I, I said, I already know the golden rule. He said, no. The golden rule is that he that has the money rules. <laughs> now, you either take this loan under these conditions or we're, walk, we're going back to New York. So I, I, I lost a little bit of my self-esteem. I signed the document <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and went on into business. But that business didn't succeed. But I learned a lot there. Yeah. Uh, I came out of Xerox Corporation as the number one salesperson in the whole region. I could sell just about anything. And when I went in business for myself, I couldn't sell anything. I, and nobody would buy my products. And I, I didn't understand what had happened. But later on, I understood that even when I was selling for Xerox, it was not me selling as much as it was that branding that they had done, all of the money they spent on producing movies and things of that nature, all of their political connections and contributions enable me to sell those copiers. Right. I didn't have that in my own business. So I had to back up and when I when I when that business went south, when I started again, I started I knew that I had to invest in the community. I had to have equity in the community. And so I, I started there, I named the business Socrates Garrett Enterprises and uh, start investing in my community more. So talk to me about uh, Socrates Garrett Enterprises. What do you all do? What services do uh, you provide? Because you have built uh, quite a name for yourself in the the region that you serve. Yeah, well, and and that's why we have S on the end of enterprises, because we do more than one thing. I find that small businesses, and in particularly African-American-owned businesses, have to have multiple streams of revenue. And so we, we began to, our first business that we started into was in the construction industry, but it was actually in Harlem. So you know, we, I came out of the country, so I knew about heavy equipment and trucks and all of that stuff. So it was a natural for me. So this time we started in what my DNA had been coming out of, I went back and picked up what my daddy had taught me uh-huh. and started to use those skills on this second time around. Because I knew absolutely nothing about manufacturing chemicals, but I did know about trucking. So I started there and, and started with a trucking company and a hauling company. And we began to, uh, uh, in that industry. And so, you know, and then you expanded into other uh, areas. I, I did. From that hauling company, we expanded into the actual uh, uh, operation of a wastewater treatment facility because they started out 
we would haul what was then called biosolids, and many of you might understand that as a honey truck of some sort. We would haul those biosolids, and then they wanted a uh, contractor that would incorporate it into the soil. Well, I came off the farm. I, I went out and I bought huge tractors, and we incorporated it into the soil. And then while I was there at the plant, I would watch how the plant was being run and the operations of it. And so eventually I, I took over the running of one of the satellite dewatering facilities and the wastewater treatment plant. And so I had an interesting career there uh, on that side. And it led me into some other things of some wonderful, innovative ideas and concepts. Uh, one, of, one of those is the study of bacillus, because I got involved with bacteria that would actually dissolve biosolids. Uh-huh. It, it would clean up streams and rivers and lagoons and things of that nature. So invested heavily in that technology. And so you also have a nonprofit organization, correct? I do. There are, several, there are several businesses that I'm associated with. Yep. So, I have a nonprofit, and the, the, the nonprofit, New South Development and Training, some 23 years old, uh, that is the business that was studying the bacillus. And so I have a contract award from USDA and NRCS to study bacillus, how we grow that to clean up rivers and streams. So that's done in a nonprofit, and we do a lot of outreach all across the country in about 10 states. Uh, for the Department of Wildlife and Fishery and some other agencies, and some work with the state of Mississippi as well in Family First Resource Centers and things like that. So that's the nonprofit side of what we do. But do we also have a company that uh, roasts coffee? It's called Earth Blend Coffee. So, you know, I'm a serial entrepreneur. Yeah. <laughs> and so and so when many people are buying Lexus and Mercedes, I, I bought a coffee roaster out of uh, <laughs> Turkey. And, and so I'm sitting here now, probably one of the only individuals in this region that actually roasts coffee. And so that's another business that we have uh, that we operate here. Now, I'm sitting in our broadcast studio here in Jackson, Mississippi, uh, this is a business that I started uh, because I wanted to be able to contribute to the narrative. So many times yeah. people tell our stories and they just don't get it right. Right, right. And, and, and so if unless we're able to contribute to that and do the things that you're doing, now I got a new hero and a mentor with you. And so I, I want to be able to build this studio out and, and have the Internet radio in the broadcast studio. Right. There's playing events all over the world. So that's that's another business that we have. Now, you, you also founded a, a news publication, correct? I did. I founded the Mississippi Link uh, newspaper. Now, that's an interesting story. <laughs> I started that newspaper as Today's Mississippi. It was a magazine. Uh-huh. And I started that in 1983 because African-Americans had no voice in Jackson, Mississippi, much like today. And so... The, uh, I started this publication called Today's Mississippi. Well, it was a business magazine. And so we did that to try to get the word out and try to put a little pressure on the political community so that they would do some business with African-Americans. Yeah. Uh, 
we get less than 10% of contracts for goods and services even today. And so in 1983, we didn't get 1%. Right, right. Anything. So I started that and then it migrated into a newspaper called The Missing Link. Now, a friend of mine and uh, Charles Tisdale ran the Jackson Advocate. It was the oldest black-owned newspaper in Mississippi and probably in the top five in the country. And so Tisdale was my fraternity brother. But he didn't like the fact that I started a newspaper. So he, he, he set out to shut that down. So my name was the missing link for the newspaper. So Tisdale published that the missing link was that period of time in Darwin's theory when the transition from evolution evolved from ape to man. Uh-huh. And he said, that's what we represented over here, the, the missing oh, wow. link. So I had to come back and change the name. I said, okay, I don't want to fight with you over that. And so I changed the name to the Mississippi Link. Right. And today, and today the uh, publisher of the Mississippi Link, a young lady that worked with me, at Xerox Corporation, Jackie Hampton, uh, serves on the board of the National Newspaper Association. And so we've done excellent work there. And she she is she has taken that paper over the last 10, 15 years and moved it to new heights. Really, that's, that's great. I, I actually recently started a, a digital news uh, publication called the uh, Clarksdale Advocate. And okay. I, yeah, I actually started that publication because the the local newspaper in the community was not covering uh, events that was going on in the African American community or within the uh, the school systems. Uh, none of the none of the sports, uh, pro, uh, basketball, football had no coverage. So uh, I actually uh, launched that this year, and the in, in fact it's been I think two and a half weeks, and we've had over six hundred thousand people uh, on the site in the, in two and a half weeks. So. It's uh, Ooh, it's starting you know, off really strong. Oh yeah, that's that's unbelievable. Yeah, that's unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. So how did uh, how did your father uh, influence you to be who you are today? Well, my father influenced me a lot. Uh, he was a kind man. Uh, he he worked hard. He worked for himself, uh, which means he worked most of the time, and so. Uh, but he had the patience of Joe. And so he would work on tractors and farm equipment all day and it wouldn't work. And at the end of the day, I would be uh, cursing and irate and saying, let's burn it up, tear it down. <laughs> and he would say, no, we'll start again tomorrow. And, and so he never let anything worry him. Yeah. And he worked extremely hard. And so I, I developed that DNA. So I try to I try to stay patient. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. I try to stay patient in all that I do, and I get that from him. I get my work ethics from him as well. And so he he was my first role model. I actually thought he turned the lights on when I was a little boy, and when I look at the stars and the skies, I actually thought he did that. <laughs> Me, as a little boy, I would follow behind him and I would try to jump in his footsteps. You know, his gate and his gap was so wide until yeah. I would have to run to jump in his footsteps. And as I got older and older, it seems as if those footsteps got further and further apart. Instead of closing the gap, it looks like I was losing ground. <laughs> so he, he, he was absolutely 
uh, a magnificent person in my life. Uh, he did a lot of things for me, taught me how to drive, taught me how to work, gave me opportunities to tear up things, but never scolded me and things of that nature. So he was, he was a great guy. So Socrates, to close the show out in about 30 seconds or so, tell me why some young person watching the show should select Alcorn State University as their college of choice. Oh, that's, that's easy. Uh, one of the things that our young people need to understand, D, is that an HBCU environment teaches leadership skills. It gives you the education, but it also gives you the opportunity to grow as a leader. Most of African-American leaders have been in the past affiliated with HBCUs because there you get a chance to be the president of the student body. You get a, pres a chance to be the chairman of all of the organizations that develop leadership skills. You, you get to direct a choir. You get to travel with a football team. You, you are hands-on, and not only are you getting the education, but you're picking up on leadership skills and qualities. Right. So I say that an institution is designed to organize your mind so that whatever you want to do in life, you have the skills to go to attempt to do that. But if you didn't get leadership training, which is not in the curriculum, but if you didn't get leadership training, you're at a deficit. And hey, Socrates, we are, we're, we're running out of time on the show, so I want to have time to do this before we go, though. Uh, I want to present you with this uh, HBCU Lifetime Achievement Award for your continued commitment to uh, historically black colleges and universities and for all the success that you've had in your professional career. And we'll be getting that in the mail to you. So I want to thank you for being on the show today. I really appreciate it because I know you're a very, very busy uh, person. To my viewers, I want to thank you for watching this episode of HBCU. I'm your host, D. Brown, CEO. And remember, without you, there's no me.